He's the man in the back of the room. Y con la voz de Dios. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, CEOs where to go, and stars when to shine. But as he likes to point out, Who cares? I care. It's true, she cares. And so does he. He's entertainment and production agency owner and meeting and event master, Anthony Bellotta. She's his Agent 99, and you're about to be Bellottified. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Bellotified, the one and only pod about events, entertainment, and engagement. I'm Anthony Bellotta, and I'm here as I am every week with the delicious, always optimistic, Alexia Cristina Pusalides. Opa! <laughs> Hello! Happy after memorial, uh, happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. We Happy had a long Tuesday. weekend. We, we did have a long did. weekend. Did you did you use it well? I did. I studied, I worked, I wrote, I researched. Beautiful. So you feel uh that you you know you made some progress, you were very productive this weekend. You must feel really good. Yeah. Great. I did. I did. I got some stuff. Uh, you know, when you make that first uh, dig into something and you, you yeah. get through it. So, yeah, it's I, it's, it's going to start coming out. Sometimes the hardest thing to do is just get started. Yeah. Yeah. So, as you know, we went last week to Florida to visit the mama and my sister, and we took them to uh, Hard Rock Hollywood for a couple of nights. And when we first got into the very gorgeous property, that it is with the hotel hotel the guitar hotel being the anchor of that beautiful property uh i was just ecstatic the rooms were beautiful and we had a pool view and we looked down at the pool and it was so gorgeous uh you know just spread out and lots of great areas with some uh great little uh cabanas that you could rent it just felt really great and then we walked around the the casino a little bit and we walked through some of the meeting space and all i could think to myself was why aren't we booking meetings right here at the hard rock hollywood because it seems like a no-brainer right but then we spent a couple of days there and we we experienced a few things that weren't so terrific. Like, for example, uh, they have a policy that if there's lightning within five miles of the property, the pools close and everyone must leave the pool area, which means that you can't even go sit by the pool if it looks like it might lightning near the pool at some point. Uh and then later that night, they closed down one of the restaurants and didn't tell us until we went to get a seat. So we had to wait a couple of hours to actually eat dinner. And so we missed the light show because of that. So, it, you know, it was still a decent trip, but I think their service standards need to just notch up mm, a bit yeah, there. Sounds like it. Yeah, I was a little put off by by what felt like was going to be a really terrific weekend a couple of nights um you know just felt like mm. at every turn there was an issue but then we went to la and we saw six at the pentagius uh i wonder if our guest has seen that show uh, i didn't see it when it was on broadway 
but it did win Tony Awards, mm-hmm. and and now I know why. It's fantastic. It's just first of all, it's like eighty six minutes. My favorite. I love Broadway shows that are <laughs> that don't have intermissions. Me too. Me too. I'm a fan of the no intermission. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Come from away. I think was the first Broadway show that I saw that didn't have an intermission. Ah, oh, chorus line. Sorry, I take that back. Uh, but it was just long enough. The it's funny lyrically and both mm-hmm. the book very funny and the performances one voice is just better than the next it was really incredible night uh so i wanted to share that with everyone go see six if you have an opportunity it's the six wives of king henry the uh told in their voices and of course there's lots of humor around beheadings and uh you know <laughs> yes there should be there should always be a good joke around a beheading right I mean, that just stands to reason. You know, hey, maybe we should bring them back. You know, those in town squares, you know, might be might be you know, cheap entertainment. I oh, Forget no. I even said that. <laughs> so you probably want to know what my tip is today. I do. I am chomping at the bit to know what your tip is. Let's get tipsy. It, it comes from something that's happening in our business right now, currently. Uh, And so I thought it might be a tip worth sharing. My tip. If you've ever read the four agreements, you know that one of them is not to take anything personally. Maybe you've also heard either directly or indirectly the phrase, eh, it's business, don't take it personally. And if you're a human with real human emotional triggers, you might even twinge a little just hearing it repeated. On the surface, at least, the latter can sound condescending and offensive. But if you dig a bit deeper, you might find a more meaningful intention to remain calm and try to hold on to your center of balance, despite the perception or even the appearance that you're being attacked. Some people will tell you to take a deep breath and count to 10. Some will tell you to recast or reposition the story in your mind. And still some others will pour you a glass of wine and hand you a box of tissues. Alex uses a Buddhist word, tatata, as her mantra. It means total acceptance. You know, when I was a child, insults seemed to stick to me like a bee sticks to honey. And with each sting, I'd feel the equivalent of a dagger being buried into my tender little heart. I was painfully sensitive and tremendously insecure. And as it turns out, I have a very sensitive mama. So the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. But along the way, I realized that I needed to buck up. So I've spent about the last 25 years now working on my very low threshold, taking things personally by following certain self-prescribed rules of engagement, not rules that others must follow, but rules that I follow. So I ask myself these three questions when I'm faced with that situation. One, if not me, would it have been someone else? In other words, do I have any participation in why I'm being treated this way? And if not, then that's a good reason to try not to take it personally. Number two, did I contribute to my own hurt feelings in any way? Did I extend a favor for far too long expecting something in return? Did I take anything for granted? Did I say anything or do anything uh, to deserve the said treatment? Number three, can I do anything to change the situation or how I feel? 
Is there another perspective at play? Did I misunderstand? Is there a way to turn this bad into a good? By asking these questions, I give myself an opportunity to better understand what led to that painful divorce, be it professional or personal. This doesn't mean that I still, that I don't still cry like a baby because even in my penultimate years, when on occasion I sense that I've been slighted, I do still cry. What it means is that yes, business is personal and yes, take it personally, but only, only for the purpose of better understanding yourself, your own intentions, what you really must own and learn to work through what you can change if necessary or how you can better prepare yourself for similar situations in the future without cutting yourself off or as they say, cutting off your nose to spite your face. And that's my long tipsy. <laughs> I love it. And you know who else would love it? Mm, Yaya? Yaya would love it because you know what she would say. Of course. Of course. That's what she would say. It would roll trippingly off the tongue. What it means. Trippingly, what it means is let it go and keep the peace. Now, that ain't easy for us Greeks because we mighty passionate people, both good and bad, but we try. And that's, I think, the whole point mm-hmm. is to go there to try. It's not easy, but you do want to sort of pull yourself off the ledge before you say or do anything that will come back and haunt you later. You know, mm-hmm. that's what I call living without regrets. Yes. You know, or at least trying to, because it's not easy. We said it already. Don't send that email at two in the morning. No, no, no. (laughs) Wait till 10. Right. Don't even, don't even put the person's name in the, in the send line, just in case you, you know, indiscriminately just push the, the send button accidentally, which I've done too, you know, with the intention of not sending it. Ooh, it's just so automatic. Okay, before we get started, if you're a new listener, please take this time to like and subscribe. Go ahead. We'll give you a sec. Why, thank you. Who's our guest today, Alex? Oh, I am so excited. You should be. I, I am know. as well. So our guest today is an Emmy Award winning camera operator who turned his passion for television broadcasting into several entrepreneurial endeavors recognizing the need for professional level staffing and crewing in the sports world. He created HJZ Productions in 2000, which grew to be a multi-million dollar nationwide provider of top talent in the broadcasting field. In 2019, our guest and his team founded Veridity Entertainment Service. And in 2020, when COVID hit, they quickly pivoted to offering best-in-class broadcast quality live streams. So, right? With this pivot, a word I still love, VES now focuses on meeting the growing demand for virtual hybrid event productions. So, So please, please, please welcome the president of Veridity Entertainment, Howie Zales. Hi, Howie. How are you guys doing? We are, we're great. We're great today. How about you? Good. It's an honor to be here. Well, it's an honor, honor to have you. Um, yes. So the audience knows we don't know one another, uh, Howie and I, and none of none of us have ever met Mm-mm. before. 
Uh, but we did quite a bit of research, whatever we could find on Mr. Howie Zales um, to engage in this conversation. We hope you don't mind that we stalked you for a few days. No, uh, no. Good. Uh, thank you for that. And because it's fun. It is so much fun. <laughs> did you see this? Oh my gosh. Did you see this? Yeah, we love that. Uh, so that will lead us to the first set of questions that we have for you to have, help the audience to get you know you a little better. We call sure. it our 10 quick questions. Mm -hmm. 10 quick questions. 10 quick questions. Yeah. Are you ready, Mr. Howie Zales? Absolutely. All right. Question number one. Do you believe in miracles? Absolutely. Question number two. Howie, any relation to Howie Mandel? Nope. Question number three. When was the last time you tried something new? Last week. What was it? If you care to share. Uh, I'm sorry? If you care to share. Yeah, um, eel. Oh, eel. Our food, yeah. Okay, yeah. I've had eel myself. Mm, it's tasty. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what's the first word that comes to mind when you think about you? Um, my, my family, family. And aside from your work, What's the most memorable live concert, show, festival, theatrical event you've ever experienced? Any one of those. Besides my work, uh, probably a, a U2 concert. Excellent. Uh, cool. I think I just heard they're in Vegas or going to Vegas. Yeah, they're going to Vegas for a good period of time. Yeah, they're going to they're going to uh, sit home there for a while. They're opening a new arena in Vegas, the, the MSG Sphere. Yes, they are, which is supposed to be Madison Square Garden West, right? The Sphere, which yeah, I've just much. done a lot of reading about. Oh, I'd like to talk to you about that a bit. There seems to be some issue with that that new sphere. Uh, what does the J stand for in HJZ Productions? My middle name, J, J-A-Y. J, okay, shoot. Yep. I owe Alex something because I said, I bet it's Jerome. But I was wrong. No. <laughs> it's you don't know me much. It's just a three week um, vacation somewhere, but not much. That's bit. all. Okay. Uh, Howie, what's the one thing you wish you could stop doing? What? Um, I wish the one thing that I could stop doing was worrying when the next job would come. Oh my gosh. We speak the same language. Yes. Um, number nine, does the camera ever lie? No. <laughs> Very scary. And number 10, oh, excuse me, yeah. I skipped one. I'm going to go back to number eight because it's a good one. If I were your celebrity crush, who would I be? Celebrity crush. Who would it be? Uh... Getting the sense we're two peas in a pod, Alex. <laughs> Yeah, I, gotta, I have a hard time. I, I, I gotta I come back to, I, I'm gonna come back to you on that. Okay, I, I just you know to be completely transparent, I could not answer that question either. Came uh, right off the top of my head. Uh, I don't know what's wrong with you guys. He can yeah. just she can spin them off. All right, <laughs> uh, last question. This indeed is the last one. What is the most boring sporting event you've ever shot? Lacrosse. <laughs> Why is it so boring? Because we couldn't tell who had the ball. It was extremely frustrating. Oh, I could only boring. imagine because it's in that 
in the net and everyone the is net. doing this everyone's doing this with right. the stick everyone's doing the same thing and it, it was yeah oh that must be awful for you yeah it was it was painful isn't that what you're supposed to do is follow the ball isn't yeah. that the one thing that wow yeah that's yeah. that's hard it's like following uh somebody on stage who hasn't given you anything any script any you know notion of exactly. what they're going to be doing yeah exactly so thank you howie for joining us thank you so much your background is just it's incredibly really impressive is. that you've thank done you. so much summer olympics winter olympics notre dame football triple crown gymnastics sunday night football nfl i mean you've just you've done it you've done it all yeah. so first question for you is what is it like being on the sidelines of such major televised sporting events it's a total energy rush, a high uh, that is hard to describe. And, um, you know, you feel like you're a part of the game when you're on the sideline. And that's why I always did a handheld camera on the sideline, because you feel like you're a part of the game as opposed to one of the cameras that are way, way, way high up that are, you know, sitting there freezing on a cold day because you're not moving around. Um, it's just exciting. I bet it is. Have you ever have you ever uh, found yourself in the game or oh yeah you know, hit by a, a <laughs> somebody in the in the game? Yeah, I've had uh, three hospital visits, oh, three concussions. Wow. The first one, um, I was doing a camera at Shea Stadium where the Mets play, mm -hmm. uh, where they used to play. Now they play at City Field. Um, I was doing low third. So my responsibility was, and low third is the camera position uh, on the field level by the dugout. So it was the Colorado Rockies side of the field and there was a runner on second. So my responsibility at the time was to shoot the lead runner, the runner on second. Next thing I know, I wake up in the hospital. Uh, oh my gosh. The, it was a, it was a off speed or a slower pitch. And uh, uh, Joe McCune from the Mets got out in front of it and hit it, hit a line drive right to the head. And when I got hit in the head, I fell over the chain that was behind me into the Colorado Rockies dugout. And oh my God. the training staff from the Rockies was like attending to me. The game was stopped. And when I was like hit, it kind of, you know, moved my camera to and just laid still on the pitcher's mound and because they were working on me in the dugout the pitcher kept walking around the pitcher's mound and they used my camera three times and on the fourth time the pitcher walked off the pitcher's mound onto the grass but i didn't pan with him because i was you know five feet below in the dugout unconscious and they're yelling at me you know camera five pan 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 and by that time it got back to our tv truck that it was me that was hit um, wow but it was a that was a nasty nasty concussion and i've had um two other concussions one at notre dame on the sideline and one i don't even remember somewhere on an nfl sideline so can i get into the the business side of it real quickly sure. sort of a side turn so you're hurt on the job as a cameraman were, were you employed at the time or were you an independent operator very good question. The the baseball incident, I was a, a um a independent contractor, ten ninety nine mm -hmm. 
So there was no workers comp, no employee benefits. And that was kind of prior to a lot of our industry changing over. Uh, and I'll get back to that in a second, what I right. mean by that. The the NFL and college football, I was working for NBC Sports, which is unionized, which is uh, employee mm -hmm. uh, compensated. So uh, they took care of all of my medical benefits. Um, and what I meant by, and I'll go back to what I meant by before the industry started changing over. In about 2008, 2009, uh, IATSE, uh, started coming into the television broadcast sports world. And a lot of the bigger cities signed on to IATSE. And now all of the people that are, you know, camera people, audio people, replay people receive uh, health and welfare, pension, annuity, and have the union protection that a lot of uh, other industries enjoy. And that only happened... Right. 15 years ago yeah yeah it's that's so people just... lived without benefits in our industry uh, unless you worked for nbc abc and cbs right yeah. which is wow. just amazing because no idea. yeah and you really are putting yourself in the line of fire uh when you're playing the lower third as you were working yeah. the lower third as you were uh it's it's just it's mind-boggling to me that individuals take that kind of um it's 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 really a, a, a it's a risk right at work you know you're, yeah. you're always and you're not watching in this case you're 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 focused on something else right not the ball and so you have no idea it's coming at you well well so we're taught and what i did was so i was shooting the lead runner so my camera was coming off, leading off second base, but I was watching the pitch. So my eyes were watching the pitcher and then the ball going to home plate. But at a hundred on a hundred miles an hour, when the bat comes off, when the ball comes off, your reaction is, you know, not fast enough. And you're not even expecting it where you are. Right. You know, I'm like in the stands practically. Right. So you were, were you were you more uh, left field or right field since you were yeah, covering second base? Yeah, on the base? left sideline, on the wow. left, uh, low third. Yeah. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. You've covered also, you've covered such a wide variety of sporting events. Does each mm -hmm. event require a different approach? Like, does gymnastics require a different approach than football? Totally. Um Football, uh, football, baseball, basketball, hockey, soccer, hockey, soccer, they all have a formula on how it's covered. Um, and so if you're doing football and you're doing one of the cameras up top, you know, one, two or three, if the ball is going left to right, you have one assignment depending on the ball, depending on where the ball is on the field. And if the ball is going right to left, you have a different, a different assignment, uh, and which team has the ball could also change your assignment. Um, gymnastics, uh, you get assigned to a section of the floor. So you may cover one set of exercises, one set of apparatuses. Uh, and when you're not, when your apparatuses are not being used, you might be shooting like the heroes or the stars getting ready or warming up for their event. So everything has a formula and it's based 
on what you what your assignment is and where in the rundown of the show things are going. And how long is the typical day when you're shooting a live uh, sporting event? Uh, a minimum of, of 10 hours. Minimum. And does it um, differ depending on the sport? Are some sports longer yeah. than others? Yeah, if you're doing like Sunday night football or a college football game, you usually get there, the, uh, you travel out uh, on a Thursday, you set up all day on Friday for a college football game on Saturday. So if the game is a night game on Saturday night, 7 p.m., you would get to the stadium at, you know, one o'clock in the afternoon, but everything was set up the day before. So really not much has to get done, but then you have to break down afterwards and right. everything that all the equipment, all the cameras, everything gets loaded onto, you know, several multi-million dollar TV trucks. So when you come in the day before to set up, you test that day as well? Yeah, nothing. You're, no, no one leaves until we call it show ready. That's great. Mm -hmm. That's great. We should all have that kind of uh, time yes. when we do events. And it's not always built in when you're mm -hmm. doing something in a ballroom or in a, in a, you know, in a venue that's rented for a specific event, you sometimes get very short times to work out those kinks. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately that's when, you know, when problems, problems arise. Right. Right. Exactly. How many cameramen are there, uh, on a typical NFL game? Uh, could be 12 to 15. 12 to 15. And is that, how about baseball? About 10. Nice. And then there's some robotic cameras, you know. To catch what the 10 of you don't catch? Yeah. Uh, is there one camera director in a yes. live sporting event? Just one. So that, that, that person is really they got to be up and ready to go. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it is on. It's an uh, art. It's an art, right? No sleeping during that. No. <laughs> and that person is giving you instruction as well as determining which shots to take. Well, at, at, at the level that we're at, there's not a lot of instruction given at the time during the game because we have all been doing it for so long. And there's really no uh, need for a lot of instruction. Um, we have camera meetings beforehand where we're uh, given an outline of the storylines of what the announcers are trying to tell, the storylines of what the announcers are trying to tell. And we're supporting with our images what the the stories that the announcers are trying to tell. And we have a headset that we listen to. And so we're listening to the director and the announcers. So if the announcers are talking about, you know, Aaron Rodgers, boom, we're going to get a shot of Aaron Rodgers. But we also can see what's on the air. So not all, you know, 15 cameras are shooting Aaron Rodgers at the same time right, and the right. director has nowhere to nowhere to go. Right. Um, but what's the storyline that we're telling? Are we telling Aaron Rodgers against the other quarterback or Aaron Rodgers against the quarterback that's sitting on the bench? So we got to know what story you're trying to tell. So some cameras are doing this and some cameras are doing that. Is that all predetermined? Um, I mean, I know you might not necessarily know it, but do you know, okay, this person will go here, this person will go there. Are you doing it on the fly? Um, well, during game coverage, we know who's doing what. Uh, and then after, when the whistle blows after a play, 
uh, usually it's the same camera gets cut to first and then whoever has the best shot uh, or it's determined who has the hero and who has, we call the goat, the person that made the mistake. Who has the hero and who has the goat? Yeah. That's interesting. That's my new mantra in life. Yeah. What's also mystifying to me, and I have to be honest, Howie, I'm not a sports lover. I have watched games. I, you know, I, I, I know the drill, but I, I'm not a real lover. But I'm mystified by the fact that there's actually a story in place before the mm-hmm. game even begins. Oh, yeah. So, um... And that focus is generally on it's it's on the on the players that are the uh, better yeah, players the more yeah, controversial players the, the or the higher profile players the two quarterbacks from each team if you're talking football um if you're you know I, i've done 20 something kentucky derbies the storylines are are the horses that are favorite the favorites right mm-hmm. um uh or the trainers that the are jockeys, most well known right. or the jockeys that are right. well most well known and why are those jockeys paired up with those horses those story you know storylines and then after the kentucky derby is the preakness so then the the storyline is the kentucky derby winner Versus what other horses are entered in the race. And, you know, so the storylines, you know, definitely are come before the broadcast. So as a, as a camera operator, camera professional, do you feel the need to memorize the stories or to, to know what the stories are going to be in advance? Because you're not looking at anything, right? You don't have a pad in front of you. You're not yeah, really looking at definitely. a definitely you definitely have to know who the storylines are. If you're doing a hockey game, you have to know the, the, the player's name and what their number is. So if they, you know, their announcers are talking about so-and-so you got to be able to find them on the bench. Um, If the, in football, if the uh, announcers are talking about the offensive coordinator that's sitting up in the box, you got to know what they look like. Uh, And, and we're given, and if you're doing a big hard camera, you're given what we call a three deep. It's uh, position every position with three people in each position, and the coaching staff with their pictures, so we we'll know what they look like. Uh. Um, and for me, I do a handheld, so I have a credential, and I I cut make a cutout, do a little arts and crafts, and uh, I, I I put key things that I need to know or key times of where I need to be on the back of the credential. So I could just flip it over and say, okay, you know, here's my responsibilities. This is what I need to do uh, to get me through the day. So when you worked for, uh, for network, are the cameras, when you work for network, are the cameras provided for you? Is the equipment provided for you or are you still expected to bring in your own? No, it is. No, it it all shows up on, uh, these multi $20 million TV trucks usually uh, like take the, you know, Sunday night football, there's four track, you know, 52 foot tractor trailers that show up to produce one football game. And when you work as an independent, then you are responsible for your own equipment or does that vary based on the situation? No, it all, it all shows up. Uh, Whoever's broadcasting the event will rent the TV truck. So can you just quickly, you talked about a handheld. Sometimes mm-hmm. we call it an, an over the shoulder. Uh, 
what there is also lockdown cameras. Uh, could you just sort of go through the litany of cameras that would be at an event such as a game or yeah, a private event? A handheld camera. Uh, we call it a hard camera, but a camera on a tripod with a big lens that uh, with a big lens, uh, robotic cameras, point of view cameras that are stationary. Um, uh, like uh, in football, they they're uh, what do you call it? Um, there's little cameras in the, uh, uh, the GoPros. The, 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 the orange cones that are sticking up at the goal lines. Um, oh. There's cameras oh, wow. in, the, in 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 the uh, the they're called pylons. Um, there's cameras in the bases, depending on as uh, for baseball on bigger shows. Um, it, it all depends the size of the show you have, uh, uh, if it's an A level show you or B level, sh uh, football game, you'll have the camera that flies over the field. Mm -hmm. It's a lower end show. You probably won't have that kind of camera. Uh, so a lot of times now we have drones. Mm -hmm. I was wondering it all about depends. That. Yeah. It all depends on the size of the show and how much they want to spend. Mm -hmm. yes, exactly. Isn't that always the case? Yeah. What's a lower end? A lower end could be, yeah. you know, a, a four camera basketball game, you know, division three basketball game or a, a, a live stream track and field event. Got it. Cool. So what does a camera operator prioritize when they first get on site? Uh, what, what camera am I doing? What's my assignment? Where, where is it located? Finding finding that equipment, um, making sure uh, taking it out of the TV truck, opening up the cases, making sure all the parts are are there, and then boxing it boxing it back up, and um, bringing it to its location. If it's a hard camera, it's going to be several cases, mm -hmm. and you'll have help doing it. If it's a handheld camera, you would take it out of its case right there, put a microphone on it, and walk to you know, your location for whatever event it is. If it's an event where you're going to have several locations that you're going to shoot from, like uh, if it's hockey and there's going to be an interview room or a place that you're going to go during intermission for interviews or halftime for, you know, any event, you go make you go make sure you have enough cable, things like that. You scout out each location you're going to be in. So you're very well versed on every kind of camera that you could potentially have to use. Yeah, or camera location, yep. Okay. Are there a variety of cameras out there, manufacturers, or are there, I would assume, very few? Uh, there's like two or three, Sony being the biggest. The leader, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you know, other than the occupational hazards that you've already discussed with us, yes. was one of our questions, uh, what do you worry about most when you're on the job? Uh, doing a good job because you're only as good as your last mm -hmm. job, you know. And, and what is show, uh, go ahead, sorry. go ahead. I was going to ask you what that means. Showing up 150 percent every time, and um, showing up, knowing the storylines, knowing who's who, showing up uh, in shape, not overweight. Uh, because for me, for my job, it required a lot of physical physicality uh and just with the knowledge of knowing what i was doing what kind of prep time do you get with all that information 
What's your lead on that? Um, depending on the size of the event, uh, if you're just doing local sports in your hometown, you you know you can do your own research at home. Uh, if a bigger event like the Kentucky Derby, you know they give you the information on site a few days before, and then you kind of condense it down to what you need to know. Do you ever watch post game highlights or rebroadcasts and criticize your work? No. Awesome. That is good. How about the work of others? I, I watch since I've stopped shooting, I watch events because I know my friends are doing them. Ah. So you don't shoot anymore. You're strictly on the on the top end uh filling yeah. those needs. I, I'm others. uh strictly an entrepreneur now. Good for you. Do you miss it? I miss certain events and I miss the people uh, because because doing what I've did done, my friends are scattered all over the country. So um, doing a Super Bowl is like a TV family reunion, you know, mm. but uh, yes. So things like that I miss. Well, Howie, was there a reason why you, you stopped uh, shooting or was it well, just a natural progression for you? I think it was like, uh, you know, I was, I, I always had a business. I had my first business on the side and uh, I was traveling a lot and I was, uh, my two primary uh, clients as a camera operator were the World Wrestling Entertainment, WWE and NBC Sports. And I was away a lot for four or five flights a week. Um, oh. and you know, my wife and I broke it down and we, we started a second business. I was making more money as a, as an entrepreneur than I was as a camera person, but I didn't have the mindset that I was an entrepreneur until my wife kind of, you know, made that click for me. And, and, uh, once I changed the mindset that, and I'm an entrepreneur that owns businesses that does camera work on the side. Uh, once I made that change, I, I really, you know, didn't need the camera work anymore. And I've, ha I've had some back issues and, mm -hmm. you know, then COVID and mm -hmm. it, it was just the universe set, it's, set itself up that way. The WWE work that you did um, just pricked my ears because uh, <laughs> it's such an interesting world. And you, at one point, at least worked backstage. Yeah, for 20 years. World. Oh, for 20 years. Wow. A, a story or something that you wouldn't mind sharing from that experience with us? Something yeah, helpful, I, perhaps? I, I've spent plenty of time with, you know, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, plenty of times with uh, John Cena, some of the most popular mm -hmm. uh, film, film of, stars, right? Yep. Plenty of time with Vince McMahon, the owner of WWE. Um, yeah, it's just we i got to travel travel the world i'm okay. sure you can't say anything i am just going to put this out there i sure hope dwayne johnson is as nice as he appears to he, be so we were doing a shoot in the city of philadelphia and the shoot doesn't matter what we were doing i really forget what it was and obviously he's a big guy and people saw what we were doing so a, a big crowd came and at the conclusion of the shoot he during the uh, towards the end of the shoot, he walked over the crowd and he said, "Listen, we're almost done. Please keep quiet. As soon as I'm done, I will sign everything you guys want me to until the last person is gone." 
And he did. As soon as we were done, turned around, he walked to the crowd and he stayed there for an hour. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And John Cena, one of the nicest guys on the planet, has done more make a wishes than anyone in the world. Mm -hmm. I, lo I love hearing these things. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. So why sports, though? Was that because there's a love of sports? Why not, you know, uh, daytime yeah. TV? So great question. I mean, yeah. I wanted to play professional baseball. I knew I needed a backup uh, plan. I, there was an elective. I needed one class to fill my schedule in 11th grade in, in high school. And I saw this class, you know, TV production mm -hmm. trip to the description was a trip to NBC studios, a tour of NBC studios, uh, watch wow. a TV show being taped. I'm like, well, how bad could that be? Right. Right. <laughs> 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 and um, I fell in love with TV production. I already loved sports. So I knew, you know, I needed to combine those two to, uh, you know, that's how I was going to make my living. Good for you. So is baseball your favorite? Was that your favorite sport yeah. to shoot? Yeah. yeah. And I knew when I wasn't getting the Yankee Stadium the way I wanted to, I knew <laughs> I needed to get there another way. But the first time I did, I made sure I took some grass and dirt in my pocket. Good for you. Awesome. <laughs> Good. Awesome. And I was actually at Yankee Stadium one time with WWE, and I was shooting our wrestlers uh, talking to some of Yankee old-time players. And one of our wrestlers was talking to Reggie Jackson. And I mm -hmm. grew up, you know, when Reggie Jackson was playing, and I was at the World Series game when he hit three home runs. So I'm standing there shooting this interview. And I have no idea what they were saying. I don't even know if they were in my camera frame. I'm just standing there staring at Reggie Jackson. Like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm three feet from Reggie Jackson. You know, there is something very excited. I mean, I'm a local girl. I grew up with the Padres, right? Hometown team. And just this last uh, year, I got to do the, the fan fest. And my brother took me and I walked down onto the field. And I said, this will be cool. It'll be fun. Something happened to me when I stepped foot on the Padre field and I became the biggest geek in the world. Uh -huh. My brother was laughing at me. I was hopping up and down and squealing like a child. And I did. I picked up dirt and I had the intention of making a little necklace. So every time I go to a game, I wear the Padre dirt with me. And, you know, I couldn't nice. believe how excited I was to be on that field. It is exciting. It's just so enormous when you're in the middle of that, you know, and you look around and you see all the seats. It's thrilling. Yeah. So, Howie, you won an Emmy for the Beijing yes. Olympics. Um, congratulations. Thank you. Um, is it a team NB Emmy? Is it an yeah. uh, individual Emmy? It's a team M Emmy. So, was it the entire team for the for, for our the gymnastics our gymnastics coverage? And Beijing was when? Well, I should know this. I should 2008, remember. 2008. 2008. So who were you covering then? I should remember, but I don't. Um, the the U.S. women, uh, they won the gold all-around medal. So Nastia Liukin. Mm -hmm. Ah, I do not remember that Olympics. <laughs> well, they sort of run together after, you know, when you're this old, <laughs> they run together. So uh, a question off of topic a bit, but I'm hoping you know, is there a difference between wrestling and wrestling? No. <laughs> it's the same thing. 
Okay, thank you for that. And what inspired you to open HJZ Productions? Were there any? Yeah, it's a, Go ahead. It's a great ahead. story. Uh, good story. A friend of mine who was working at MSNBC at the time. Uh, he, his job function was to he oversaw the Imus in the morning radio show, and at that time they were broadcasted on MSNBC also. And once in a while, they would do the show on the road. So in this case, they were going to do it from the Mohegan Sun Casino, which was near New York City, where I live. And my friend Brian called and said, hey, do you want to work on this show as a camera operator? And I said, sure. And he said, do you have any camera friends? I, and he told me how many camera people he needed. I said, absolutely. And he said, I also need an audio person, this, this type of position. And he said, can you make my life easy for me? Can you send me one invoice and pay everyone? I'm like, yeah, why not? And I'm like, and I said, well, other people call me to do this, you know, to, you know, to get on shows and pay me. They must have clients. There's got to be a job, a, a, a business behind this. Mm -hmm. So I, I found my way. I got one client and one client became another client. And um, one of my competitors did something shady. So I picked up his client and, you know, that's it. That's how it starts. Yeah. Was there anything, um, is there anything that you strive to change within the world that you work in um, from the perspective of starting your business? Any practices that you determine you wanted to do better or yeah. you know, make? Could, could great, you great, great, share great some of them? Sure. Um, the person who uh, was doing what I was, what my business was doing at that time would put himself on every job as a camera person. Ooh. So he was making money as a camera operator. He was making money because he was charging the client, whatever he was charging the client to staff it. And so he was taking a job away from someone. He, he was making double the money. So I swore, swore that I would never do that on any one of my single jobs, which to this day I haven't. Um, and I try to spread the work around. I try not to hire unless the client demands it, the same people every single time, because mm. I want to try to spread the wealth. That's beautiful. Nice. Really yeah. nice. Um, isn't there an, a logistical problem with, with manning a camera yourself and being responsible for the other camera people? or not 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 really because once the show starts the director and producer are in charge but you know if there if you have not really but i just some, saw it as unethical hmm. unethical not unethical but just just not right why why take work away from someone else when you're already making money on that event right so for me it was a problem right no, thank you for that. Um, mm -hmm. The integrity shines here mm -hmm. in you, and I think that's the point, right? You want to yeah. you want to conduct business with integrity, and that totally makes sense to us over here. Well, and it would be nice if more people had that. Um, you know, there, there's enough of the pie to go around. If we all had that mentality, if it were more widespread, we'd all be right. better off, mm -hmm. right? Right. You know. So let's talk about veridity. Sure. So, uh, sort of a um, start off with an unusual question. 
because it is an unusual name. I knew you were going to uh, ask that. <laughs> is it portmanteau? Is it, is it a combination of two words? If so, what no. does it No. It, it's actually it's a good story. Uh, I went to a mastermind, and one of the things they, they talked to us at the mastermind was um, – when you when things in business life whatever go go bad and you're quick to react negatively you know this is terrible you know whatever whatever you're called in being in the red zone being in the red and conversely when things are really positive and you you're flipped the other way you're called being in the blue zone but no matter what happens in life and business if you stay kind of even keeled you'll make the best decisions you you'll come out you know in the best way it's kind of being in the green, in the green zone. And my personality is very even keeled, no matter what the situation. Uh, so we wanted to come up with, and I came home and I told this whole story to my wife, and we wanted to come up with a word that meant green, but we didn't want it to be about money and sound obnoxious. Right. So, but we wanted to get a way to have this story be a part of the story of the business. And we looked through a thesaurus and came up with the word veridity and it kind of went with uh, entertainment and VES. And that's kind of how it came about. Thank you for sharing that story. And it goes with your tip. And it goes with my tip. See, and sure that does. was not planned. That really was, that not, was planned. not planned. No, it wasn't. It's just, it's synchronicity. Uh, and actually I, I hate to, to sound so glib and disrespectful, but at first I thought it was a play on virtual and, oh, okay. iterity, and 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 iterity, meaning yeah. <laughs> you're stupid because you, you need help. So you know, <laughs> um, can you give us some scenarios in which you provide remote broadcast production services? Yeah, um, 2020 is really when uh, it, it, things really took off. I was in the uh, temple. I'm Jewish, and I was in the temple, sit, literally setting up the temple with uh live stream equipment with cameras and a computer on and instructing the the rabbi and how, how we were going to get these services out to the community and my my phone rang and it was a an old client of mine and said they needed to interview nine baseball players in nine weeks uh but the catch was the interviewer couldn't leave her house mm-hmm. So this is September 2020 in the middle of COVID. Right. Yes. And he said, do you think you could help us with that? I said, absolutely. And um, so then we hung up and I said, you know, we'll work on getting you, you know, how we're going to do this and an estimate and things like that. So then I called my wife and told her what I just agreed to. And I said, I have no freaking idea how we're going to do this. <laughs> uh, so it, it, it warms my heart to yeah. hear you say that, Howie. Yeah. So uh, I contacted, you know, my team, my uh, network of people that uh, I'm close with, and we came up with these um, remote capture kit kits is what we call them. They're high-end laptops with uh, uh, cameras, high-def cameras and ring lights and, and USB audio. microphones and Ethernet cables. And we, we have 25 of them. And the beauty of these kits is since they're our equipment and we have a certain program loaded on them that as soon as they hit the internet, we can dial into the computer and take control of it. We can focus the, the camera, change the color temperature of the camera, control the audio. So it basically looks, you know, the quality is broadcast quality because, you know, it's like the books behind the person's behind the uh commentator are not in focus the eyeballs are in focus mm-hmm. um 
So we, we basically can control everything. And because we do all of our productions in the cloud, the people that work on our shows can be located anywhere. Anywhere. Nice. And we've had the fortune, great fortune to work with, you know, Tiger Woods, Charles Barkley, Magic Johnson, some Michael Phelps, some some big name, yeah. you know, athletes. Wow. Are you still getting calls for virtual yeah. work? You are. Yep. Yeah. We who's... do a lot of a lot of pharmaceutical virtual productions. Um, they don't air they don't necessarily air live because of the strict rules in the pharmaceutical community, but um we'll re we'll produce them. They'll go back and make sure nothing was said that shouldn't be said. And then we'll live stream them like a LinkedIn live type thing. After it's already produced and edited and ready to go. Yep. Can you share a little bit about your broadcast sports course? Sure. And what what the the age of the... Go ahead. Yeah. The the age of the freelancers is really getting up there and and COVID the COVID, you know, forced a lot of people to retire. Um, and so, uh, I needed something to do during COVID and I always wanted to kind of give back to, to the community that I love. And we came up with, um, a course and wrote a book on, 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 you know, what to do from the second you get called and to the second you leave the parking lot when you're done with the job on what to do uh, in any position and how to shoot from a camera person standpoint, baseball, basketball, soccer, hockey, boxing uh, from a general general sense, because it's pretty much the same no matter what director, except they'll fine tune it. Um, and just it was a two day boot camp where we brought in equipment. So if you have never been on a TV show, we, we taught people how to coil cable, how to build a camera, how to take it apart, how to box it, how to act on a show, what to do. We gave them templates on how to contact the clients via email or how to speak to them on the phone, who the clients were, who they should be calling and talking to. It was a lot of fun. Wow. So it, this was a, this was a, a one-time course or we did it this... one time and we we haven't done it again since but we have plans to do it again yeah i think it's totally worthwhile and you're right it's a it's it, the market has changed and in our world it's becoming more about partnerships than ever before mm-hmm. with bigger companies sort of out of the picture and smaller companies you know coming together and you know i yeah. see that as being a, the way of the world at least in the next decade or so and the best part about that course was our company, HJZ Productions, was able to hire four out of the five people that took the course. Wonderful. After the wow. fact. So. I, um, I, I am going to ask you to think about a course for planners, meeting planners, around filming events and camera work and what's necessary it's one of the areas that a lot of the planners know very very little about and uh as i see other shows and and you know view other work i i i would venture to say that the camera directors that work in the live event industry not sports 
not television, could use some training. Um, yeah. I, I often see very slow movement and cues, and there's almost a laziness in live events that occurs. You know, they're just not taking shot better shots. You know, they're doing a wide shot and not and not coming into focus on somebody that's speaking, or they're hitting the wrong speaker, or it takes you know thirty seconds after the speaker started for them to move the camera. You know, all of those things that you can't do when you're right. on the field, and th that's a huge you know, pet peeve of mine and someone that produces uh, virtual events from uh, a technology standpoint. Um, you know, and we talked about this earlier, doing a rehearsal and having time for rehearsals and set up and going through it. And when we do an event, we tell a client, you're going to, you're going to think that we have no idea what we're doing. But what we try to do is we try to make every mistake possible during the rehearsal. So we know what mistakes could be made so we don't make them wow. uh in the real show so we'll so tell it every yeah tell us what a mistake is yeah so if if john is speaking on the stage we want to make sure that when we take camera one to shoot john that the button camera one is really assigned to john and we want to do it during the rehearsal mm -hmm. and because if we hit camera one and that's really camera two's button and you see Jane sitting there, that's going to look really bad. Right. So, and, and we go, we want to go through air. And if there's PowerPoints involved, we want to go through every single PowerPoint slide with the person that's doing the speaking to that slide. So they get accustomed to the flow on how they should speak. Because when we, when our company does a, a production, we do it for the in-house and the virtual space. So in the in-house, on the screens, you're seeing the, the, the PowerPoint slides, but in the virtual space, you're seeing a completely different show. You might be seeing the speaker talking full screen. You might be seeing if, there's a, if the slide has a lot of information, the slide full screen, or you might be seeing what we call a two box, a small box of the person speaking and a bigger box of the slide. And we're constantly changing cameras and you know, or going to the slide or going to the two box. Uh, so you're not falling asleep, so to speak. Right. Uh, and we're making it more interesting and we're right. finding different ways to, you know, make that virtual experience interesting. Uh, what do you hope every student will leave your course knowing? Or, and if you can answer that question, because we, we did the course once. So what was it that you would like your students? Or let, let me, yeah. let me rephrase this question. When you did the course, what was it that you'd like your students to know when they left? Um, I, I hope I got across the passion that I have for the business, um, that they need to show up, how to show up. To show I, up. I hope I got across how they need to show up to get more work, that they need to show up with the attitude they need to show up with, the willingness to work that they need to show up with, how to do a good job, how to, you know, what to do to get called back. It's one thing to get that first job, but how do you get that second job and that third job and so on and so forth? We do the same thing uh, on this side of the country with regard to our our artists, our live artists, <laughs> be they bands or, you know, solo artists or magicians. It's really much more about the attitude 
the timeliness, mm-hmm. the the way they look, as you said earlier, you know, being in shape, than it is oftentimes about the actual music or the act. Because right, right, those things all happen before. And uh when you when you don't do it right, you all you set the motion wrong, right? You have to come with the right attitude. I'd rather have, and I tell this to people all the time, a B-level camera person that doesn't need to be told what to do, that jumps in to help everyone, that will work until the end, that gets there early, uh, as opposed to an A-level camera person that takes his or her camera, builds their camera, and you can't find them until for the rest of the day until the show starts. That must be just peachy for you, right? Yeah. That would give me a heart attack. Right. You want to be the person somebody wants to work with. Yeah. Yeah. You know? it, it does all come down to that. People work with people they want to work with, people mm-hmm. they like, yeah. people they can trust. I mean, that's really, it will always come down to that. Yeah. When you're spending that say, much time, it has to be enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I always say I, I, I'm successful, especially in my businesses, because I always surround myself with people way smarter than I am. <laughs> That's a good rule of thumb. It is. Very good rule of thumb. And, you know, um, you have to look at work as not a right, but as a, uh, you know, a gift, if you will, especially in our industry, because, you know, not everybody who wants to be on the sidelines of a game shooting it are going to have that opportunity. And, you know. It's just good to remember the blessings that we have, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm super grateful for every experience that, that I've had, mm. without a doubt. So that actually brings us to the 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 almost the end of our broadcast when we'd like to ask you some really solid questions, our nitty-gritty questions. <gasps> the Bolotified Five. We will start with what is your golden rule, Howie? Trust my gut. Go with my gut instinct. Uh, I don't hem and haw. Good for you. Hemming and hawing is is exhausting. There's no time for it. No time. What is one daily habit you have that you strongly believe contributes to your success? Uh, It's a set of habits. My morning routine. Uh, I get up, cup of coffee. I get up and have a cup of coffee while while I do an hour to an hour and a half of work, business work. Then I have a, a, a non-negotiable workout. Uh, I have a routine of what that workout is, depending on the day. Um, uh, walk the dogs, shower, and then ready for my first meeting at uh, nine o'clock every day. So you are an early riser, right? Yeah, to assume if you're getting work done, a walk done and the gym done before nine. Yes. Between five and six every day. Wow. Good for you, Um, Alex. Right. I'm Uh, going to bed. I'm just going to put this out there. I am going to bed lately at that time, but not because I'm having fun because I'm working. So I am working when and going to bed when people are getting up. So it's just a different um just a different schedule. When no one is listening, Howie, what do you tell yourself? That, uh, you know, that 
I guess I struggle with and what I tell myself is that, you know, stay calm and the the work will be there. The clients will be there. That's, you know, that's, that's the hardest struggle owning your own business. And that's, that's where I keep telling myself. If, if you don't mind me saying, I think that's, that's the best we can do when, when yeah. we own a business and, and to be careful not to feel so desperate that you, you don't trust your gut and you take things that may not work out at the end, um, or you continue to work with people who don't have the same set of values that you have because you're so afraid that you won't get other work. You know, those are the kind of things, right, that we think about. Yeah, and my business coach and my wife, and and my more my wife probably have taught me um, can't square you know fit a, a round hole in a square peg or did I get that right? Yeah, because um, yeah. it, it's always going to end up costing you money, right? Whenever I try to make a, a job work for the client by taking less money or whatever the scenario is, things always get messed up whenever we try to help them out. So the power of no and saying no has really helped us and helped us grow. And yes, we may be expensive or maybe this level uh, of price point, but this is what you're going to get for that price point, right? So, and we take pride in what we offer our clients uh, because we show up a thousand percent every time. I, I'm just loving hearing you say this yeah. because I'm I'm actually in this cycle now with a, a long-term client who um, is sort of playing this game with me now about um, you know lowering the price and finding alternative ways to serve them using other people, uh, other teams, and uh, I just yesterday wrote the letter saying, if this is what you intend, I'm afraid I'm not the guy right. because, and it was hard yeah. for me yeah. to say that this is a big client yeah, and I still hope they come back and say, we'll do it your way, but they may not. And right. it's the risk that we take. But at the end of the day, you're so right. Cause when you try to patch work, a quilt together, it never works. No, nope. it just, it never just costs does. you money, reputation, whatever it is. Well, yeah. I don't think that we're raised to necessarily value ourselves over others. And it's not that anybody is less, but if you don't value yourself, what you bring to the table and what your worth is, ultimately you're not happy. And ultimately right. you're not as successful as you could be. Right. That's a very good point, Alex. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, Howie, what is one change you'd like to see in the world? A lot less hatred. Ugh. Amen. I mean, people just cutting in front of you, in front of you while driving, thinking they're going to get to the wherever they're going five seconds before is it's yeah, just less hatred. That's a good one. It uh, is a good one. And finally, why? What is your why? Because I, I, you know, I, I love my family. I, I love my, my wife, my kids. I love my job. And uh, I, cause just cause I'm happy. I'm, you know, I'd like to be happy and that's it. It's a good why. 
Very good. Why? Thank you for sharing that. And where can uh, our audience hear more from you? You you've done quite a few podcasts and uh, yeah. you, you're you're out and about. So where, <laughs> where, where can they find out more about you? Sure. HowieZales.com and all of our company websites are available there too. Uh, and on LinkedIn at Howard Zales and uh, at Howie Zales on all of the social media. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us today, Howie. It was it was great to meet it you. Was. And I, I sincerely hope we get to continue conversation, maybe through another, you know, avenue, uh, maybe Absolutely. work. You never know what will That'd come up. Great. Uh, if you ever need anything in the live entertainment world, let us know and we will mm -hmm. absolutely do the same. Uh, I, I have a feeling it would be uh, not only pleasurable, but productive working absolutely. together. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you so much. Any, any final words, anything you'd like to share? I appreciate your guys' time and thank you very much. Thank you, man. And, and just keep up the good fight. Everything you stand for. Great. Thank 100% you. 100% behind you. Thank you. Thank you, man. Thank you. Hey, thank you for listening to Bolotified. If you haven't already, please like and subscribe. And remember to leave us your questions or comments at bolotta.com backslash podcast. Bolotified is a production of Bolotta Entertainment. Hey, that's a lot of Bolotta. Stay engaging.